to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Good morning, Kingdom Investors. That is what we all are this morning. We're investing into the Kingdom of God. We're investing into our own lives. Um, it's a real privilege for me to be talking and, and, and teaching on this um, subject this morning. The reason why I say that is whenever I teach on financial management and principles, I believe I learn the most. So what I want to tell you this morning is, I want to start where Philip ended, is you need to be willing to learn. Always be willing to learn regarding finances. The Word has a lot to, to teach us. And we need to keep our hearts in that, in that position. Um, I'm also deeply expectant of what God is doing in the spirit here. And I'll share in, the, in my second session, I'll expand on why I say that. Why I've got this expectancy for, for what is happening this morning. Um, a few of you have asked me concerning my background. And um, I'll have to disappoint a few of you that I don't have a degree in financial management. Okay. And I can uh, say that with, with great hope for our non-financial managers that I think God is a bit of a, um, a humor in that sense, that He's given me this passion to, to learn, to delve into His Word and teach it for, to us as, as non-financial managers, but also as people with financial background. We all need to learn. Um, but what I do have is a, a very good financial mentor. Okay? I believe I've got the, the best financial mentor. It's someone that I talk to regularly. It's someone that um, can just, I can just you know, contact and um, someone that networks me. It's given me wonderful business opportunities. Someone that has actively mentored me for the last six years. And I want to thank him publicly this morning um, because I invited him to be here with us. So I want to thank, I want to thank the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. I want to thank the Holy Spirit, and I want to tell you guys that the Holy Spirit, yeah, you guys were looking around a lot at the back there. <laughs> um, I want to thank the Holy Spirit because really that He is the best financial manager and financial advisor we can have. Amen. So I'm going to start off with that, is that we can teach and we can interpret the Word, but the Holy Spirit can really advise us. Um, so I said that the, the financial principles in his word are not difficult. They are universal. You don't need a degree to figure them out. If you have a degree, great. Then you can add the technical stuff on that. And I'm going to expand on the, a bit on, on the technicalities. But what, so the, sorry, the principles are not difficult to understand, but they are hidden. And we are here this morning to dig them out. Amen? So we're digging into the scriptures I'm going to flash a lot of scriptures. So if you want to write them down, I'll advise you to do that. God has blessed me with a few amazing scriptures. And I'm going to share them gladly with you. First of all, let's look at the Bible and some stats. Okay, the Bible says more about money than it says does about water baptism, the Lord's Supper, the rapture. Believe that. Money. And this I checked up myself is found in 133 verses in scriptures, 
Riches in 90, rich in 186, wealth 43, gold 227 verses, silver 284, treasure 35, treasures 55, spoil 106, and wages. So let's expand on that. 18 of the 36 parables are surround uh, financial management or principles. Okay, the New Testament has more verses on money than on heaven and hell combined. Believe that? Five times more verse, money verses than there are prayer verses. Okay, 500 plus verses on prayer and faith and 2,000 plus on money, possessions, wealth. If you add all of that together and you go a bit further, 2,000 plus. Okay. So, this morning you might think that, yes, this is all good, but I really don't earn a lot or I really don't have a lot of money. Okay? And I want to speak to you now. Let's look at Philemon and you. Okay, I met Philemon last week in Tanzania. He's a business owner at one of the um, harbors on Lake Victoria. And I just started chatting to him and I was preparing for this morning. So I bluntly said, Philemon, do you mind? I just, I'm going to ask you a personal question. How much do you earn? And he said, no, he, he earns a thousand Tanzanian shillings a day. Now that equates to four rand sixty a day. He's a business owner. You can see he's a proud man. He's got a nice shirt. He's clothed well. And you can see he's at the upper end of that community. Okay. So if we look at this room, and we look at the bottom income group, a minimum wage group of 1,500 rand a month. Then, if you earn 1,500 rand a month, you're in the top 14.5% of the world. So, on a global scale, top 14. If you earn 10,000 rand a month, you're top 11.7%. If you have a property worth 574,000 rand, it's basically a flat. You're in the top 10 wealthiest people on a global scale. Okay, so guys, I want to tell us that as we sit here this morning, we are extremely wealthy. Um, if you look at the global community, we've got a major responsibility to manage our wealth. The problem, and I'm going to touch on comparing a bit later, is that we compare. And right there, we make a big mistake. I'm not going to jump into comparing now, but we need to stop that, bottom line. So I want to illustrate a hierarchy of financial management, nothing super spiritual or technical, but I'm going to use this as the guideline for this morning. Yeah. Like this. Okay, so like I say, it's not super technical or spiritual. Goodness. I think I might need a new one. Is Andre no Giso? Okay. Okay, let's continue so long. Oh, it's in here. Jan, kijk ook naar het kan Let's go to the next slide. I'll draw it now, now because I want to draw off it. Okay. So, in preparation, God showed me a few things. And 
I'm just going to, I'll call it a hierarchy of, of management. Where do we start and where do we work towards? So I want to state that your relation, if we start with our relationship with money. We start with our hearts. And I'm going to use this as the guideline for the rest of the morning. So we start with our hearts. If our hearts are in order, it will reflect in our budgets. Okay? And then Philip, we swap it around as well. Because your budgets speak about your heart. So there's a bit of a interaction there. Okay? Saving. You save. Savings are indicated in your budget, so you can only save if you actually budget for it. And then, if you've saved, you can invest. Very basic, but I'm going to share a few stories out of my own life with you. I'm going to be honest with you and tell you some, some bad ones and some good ones. Okay, so let's start with the heart. So we said, and this is really what this seminar is about. Um, we deliberately, uh, with, with our focus, we deliberately did not go into the technical savings and financial management and technical investment because there are a lot of you here this morning that are better than us in that, on the technicalities. We are focusing primarily on the heart issues because then it will filter through. Okay, so let's start with the heart. Next one. I want to state outrightly that money is extremely spiritual. Okay, very basic thing. I'm going to say it again. Trust God to make it real in your life. Money is spiritual. Money is extremely spiritual. Yes, it's also a practical thing, but it's spiritual. So good financial performance is a natural consequence of a healthy relationship with money. Okay, do you believe that? If your heart is in order, you can have good financial performance. So the root is the relationship and the fruit is the performance. Um, next one on heart is money serves us. Okay, I drew this diagram a bit too early. Now you've heard the scripture a couple of times in the seminar already. Let me illustrate it to you like this. No one can serve two masters. Okay? So it's me, it's me. If we serve mammon, mammon, okay? You cannot serve God and mammon. And God cannot serve you. So this one this flow does not work. If you serve God, money can serve you. Okay, let me take it a bit further. You've heard in foundation we say that money is a good servant but a bad master. It's very evident here. Money is a bad master but a good servant. God, on the other hand, is a good master but he cannot be your servant. Okay, so as Christians, this only leaves us with the right-hand side. You don't have another option. If you serve money, you're buggered. Okay. This, this will not work because God is not willing to take this position and you cannot serve two, people, two gods. Okay, money, mammon is a god. Okay, very basic. Just laying a foundation. Okay, so money is a good servant, but a bad master. Now, I like what George um, Klasson says. 
it's a little book. Not, I won't promote it as a, um, a biblical-based book, but there's some very nice principles. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. And what he does, this book has sold 2,002 million copies. It was written in 1926. It's a storybook. Okay, and what George Classen does is he illustrates that money is your golden slave. And this golden slave must work for you. And later on, this golden slave gets kids. And their kids get kids. And all of them work for you. Very, that's the, okay, so now you don't need to read the book anymore. That's what this book is about. So there are two ways that you can make money your servant. And you can write this down. You can do it by budgeting, because then you make money your servant. You put him in a box, and he works for you. And you can make money your servant through giving. Okay, so those are just two I want to present, and we'll expand on them. Okay, now, Philip, you've, you've said this a lot, but is money bad? The answer we know now is no. Money is not bad, but it's the love of money. So... Money has no other value than serving us as we serve God. Money should bring God glory. Amen? Money should serve us and we should serve God. And in the process, we glorify God. Very basic. So I, I state that money has no value in itself. Okay? This, this piece of paper has, has no value in itself. The only value it has is serving me Serving my needs and wants in order to glorify God. Do you agree? Okay, so we say that this doesn't have any value. No. Okay, except for what I've just stated, except for what Philip has stated. You agree? It's a piece of paper. No? Tian? Okay, so Tian, what's your. No value. You owe me 50 rand. Just kidding. It's okay. It's called any Okay, so remember we said so. We said money has no value. Then I say that that money will just have to come back to me to serve me again as I serve God. Okay, it's, it's paper. The scary thing is that the amount in our bank balances are just numbers. Um, America is in the position they are in because the, the little numbers you have in your bank balance, they didn't have in value. Have you ever thought about that? That if you look at your electronic bank balance, they don't need to have that money in their account. And you can do a whole seminar on, on finance in the end days, but we need to start aligning. And Philip will probably do a follow-up on that as we approach the end times. But we need to be clever with our money, guys. Um, the end times are not going to be um, easy in terms of financial management, in terms of protecting wealth, in terms of actually surviving. We need to hear what the Spirit is saying. So just a few mammon influence signs. Remember, we're still busy with our heart. Number one, if you're continuously worried about money, if you have impulsive buying um, behavior or you're always going for the bargains, if you're discontent with never having enough, stinginess, so even though you can afford something, you don't want to buy it, greed, wanting more of something you already have, the iPhone example, and then the mishandling of debt, never getting out of debt. And unfortunately, we see that a lot, where people, you, you met this guy five years ago, he, he disclosed to you that he's in a big financial um, uh, 
debt situ situation. And five years later, you know his income has more than doubled, but he's still got a lot of debt. So not getting out of that debt. Okay, so now we can move on to budget. So we said heart. Now we've got our hearts in order, we can move over to budgeting. I'm not going to go into the details, but what I want to say is that if you show me your budget, I can own almost 80 to 90% of, of your heart. Because our budgets should reflect what's happening in our heart. Like I've said, it's the intent of our heart. And we see that in Matthew 6, verse 20 to 22, which says, your treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And Mark 12 was the example where Jesus sat at the treasury and he looked at what everybody threw in. I think he offended a couple of people. Imagine, imagine me on a Sunday while we're taking up the offering. I'm just walking with the basket and I'm checking what everyone is putting in. Hey, you don't do that. Jesus did that. And that is Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm reading a lot up on, on Jesus the last two weeks, and he was a, a very different person. He was a very bold person. Um, and we've got the Holy Spirit with us, but like Pastor Fred says, there's a few DVDs I want to watch in heaven. I want to see body language. I want to see people's offense. And he was just, he was just Jesus. Okay? Now, I've, I have three budget Excel templates here. So if you want them, something we've developed for Bible school, so you can populate, because it all starts with paper and or Excel. That's where your budget starts. So if you've got your heart sorted out, put it in writing, put it put on your laptop, open Excel, and just start populating. Okay, so if you want that, you can come and get one of those copies afterwards. Um, and remember, budgeting is one way we make um, money, as our servant. Okay, so let me tell you, my first story. I just started working, and um, sometimes you learn more from other people's mistakes than from what they do, do right. So I trust that you'll learn from my mistakes. I just started working, and I, I had a bit of a desire to make a quick buck. Okay? I just left university, and um, unfortunately, that's how many of us young men are. We want to progress faster than we should. And I ventured into Sunnyside, and there I realized that um, rental income is significantly higher than, than the property, um, the, what do you call it, um, the loan amount. So if you take a loan on a property and you need to repay the bank, the tenants will, with 30 to 40% above your expenses, um, you know, give you an income. And I thought, but this is not possible. Why aren't everybody just buying flats in Sunnyside? It's like you could buy a flat there for 80000 and you could get rental income for 1500 Okay, at that stage, six years ago. And I thought, yeah, this is too easy. And I went and I bought a flat and I was earning very little and I sold the flat within a week and I made 50% profit, which was more than my whole income for the year in a week. And I thought, man, this is really easy. And I went back and I bought two. And I sold them. I was like, yes. And a greed came in. And uh, I went back and I bought another two. And I sold one and I bought another one. And so it continued. And at a stage, I was at a position where on the third of the month, not I, my wife and I, um, and I'll talk about that a bit later, where 
our whole income was finished on the third of the month, meaning the bank has come to take the money. So now you get a situation where the tenants aren't paying you and you run into serious cash flow um, issues. So I had it all worked out, sell this one, this capital will last six months. In the fourth month you need to sell and so you, you leverage yourself and you just keep on growing. And what happened? At a property crash. So suddenly I couldn't sell the properties anymore but the bank was still coming to fetch the money. And I ran into serious troubles. And I, I had to repent of, of greed so my heart was not sorted out. My budget was not sorted out. I didn't have a budget at that stage. I didn't save cash. So I didn't have cash reserves. So I didn't have anything to eat into. And then lastly, I just jumped to investing. So my flow diagram was turned around completely. I started with investing. I just started earning money and I went through to investing. And that's why I drew that diagram to say, start with your heart, budget, cash, invest. Okay, so that's my bad story. I'll tell a good story a bit later. So don't do that. Okay, let's look at some more stats on saving. In the US, at the age of 65, 2% of the people are financially independent. In South Africa, they say it's closer to 3%. Okay, 23% are still working, 30% are dependent on charity, and 45% are dependent on relatives. Now, my question to you this morning is, do you think it's because of a low income or just bad stewardship over a period of 40-odd years? Bad stewardship. I was supposed to read up on the story, but I, I didn't have time. I heard a story of an elderly woman in America who saved some, something small like $50 over the life of a period, life, length of her life. And um, at the age of 80, she was, I don't know, top, top 10 richest woman in America, just based on compounding. Like I said, I don't have the details, but I'm going to get to compounding a bit later. Okay, so now we can jump to level number three. Okay, we're already there, but saving. Let's look at the scripture. There's a precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Now, there are two purposes for saving, and that is saving for future needs, which Proverbs 21 talks about, saving for future needs, and then the second one is saving in order to invest. Okay, so those are the two purposes why we save cash. Saving for future needs and saving in order to invest. And the Bible says a lot about saving for future needs. Let's continue. Proverbs 21. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Proverbs 30. Four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not strong folk, but they prepare their food in the summer. So saving for future needs. Okay, some high-level principles on saving. You need to budget to save money. Have you ever noticed if you, um, if you don't look after your money at the end of the month, it's not there anymore? It just happens. Have you ever opened your wallet and you just feel like, I'm sure there was a hundred rand there. You know that feeling. And that's how money is. It just, it just runs away from you. It's like water. It will just flow through your hands. So you need to budget to save money. Start small. 1% savings is better than nothing, and 2% is better than 1%. Amen? 
Okay, so we save in two ways towards your capital. Okay, saving capital, cash. So there you could, uh, a good indication if, if you could have three months of, of capital or three months of budget in cash, um, it's where you want to work towards. But even a month, and the same applies for businesses. Most businesses work towards having a month of budget in cash. Okay, so that's saving for future needs because we don't know what's, what's going to happen in the future. Okay, and then on a monthly, monthly basis, um, I want to put a disclaimer that it depends on where you are at in your life on how much you should save on a monthly basis. But anything between 10 and 30%, if more, it's good. But you need to be in balance. All right, so if you could save 10, 30% of your budget, that's great. Why I'm saying that is if you save 10% of your budget monthly, you are already living below your means. So if you come to retirement, you're already living below your budget, so you will have more than enough. Okay, so there's a, there's a principle regarding this, talking about our money being in balance. So if you look at your budget and the way you save, the next next one. Uh, the last bullet there. Cash, cash empowers us for opportunities. If if an opportunity comes, uh, and a lot of opportunities came across my road in, in the past, where I just didn't have the cash. It was a sheer investment. The the buyer was there. The opportunity was here, and I, you just needed X amount of rand to make it happen. But if you didn't save couldn't uh, you know, utilize the opportunity. And you know the saying, cash is king? It is really bothering me these days. So I want to say that Jesus is king. Okay, Your wife should be queen, and then cash is, cash is jack. So that is, that's my saying. I don't like people saying cash is king. Cash is good, but it can't be king. Okay, And when your money is in balance, you will always have enough. Okay, and your ma money will manage itself. Just the next slide. Okay, like I said, I can't. I'm tempted to give you some indication on how you should um, structure your budget, but it depends on where you are at. If you're young, you need to save more, or you might have some needs. Needs is your um, fixed fixed expenses, like property or a car or a you know, something that you need to pay off as soon as possible, not debt. And then your wants is stuff you need. And that we must be very balanced in this morning, that we should not go out here and just start saving and investing and not enjoy life. Okay? The word talks of he gives bread for the eater and um, seed for the sower. There's a certain portion of our money that we should save and invest. If you look at wants, there's a certain portion we should just eat and enjoy. Taste that bread, enjoy it. That's what the scripture talks about. It says bread for the eater. Okay, and, and this money balance thing, if, if I say how heavy is a glass of water, why we need our money in balance? And I ask you, how heavy is a glass of water? You'd say, no, it's not heavy. But if, if Tian were to stand up, and give this to him, extend your arm, and I say, okay, Tian, I'm just going to continue teaching here, and Tia needs to stand there for half an hour, it's going to become heavy. And then after an hour, you'll maybe have to go and see a physio tomorrow. Then, and then he might have a, a long-term pain. 
And that's how financial that's how financial balance works. If you have this niggling debt, this glass of water, something that you were supposed to pay off, for instance, a credit card, which which you shouldn't have, and if you have it, use it in a in a clever way, which we can talk about offline. But you should pay that off because yes, it's a small thing, but it's niggling, it's niggling, and that creates pressure. So after a year, your arm starts pain, you know, paining, and after two years, you're in trouble. And that's how finances work. We need to have it in balance, or, or you will end up at the fissure. Okay, except, okay, now we move on to the, the fourth level, which is investing. Investment goals from the word. I want to present two acceptable investment goals, and that is number one, leaving an inheritance, and number two, providing for your family. Okay. Unacceptable investment goals is the desire to become rich. Not to become rich, but the desire to become rich. Okay, so let's look at those acceptable and unacceptable investment goals. Number one, providing for your family. And, and um, we've heard this scripture before, but it's really shocking. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever heavy and um, yeah okay leaving inheritance a good man leaves an inheritance not for his children but for his children's children and in these days that is definitely not an easy task leaving an inheritance big enough for your children's children okay, and then the last scripture there Proverbs 19 house and wealth are inheritance from fathers Okay, unacceptable investment goals, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation. We've heard that. When we desire to become rich, we are loving money. I'm not going to read that scripture again. Um, and we should flee the, the temptation to desire to become rich. 1 Timothy says, flee from these things, you man of God. Now guys, we're originally from Cape Town and it's a little bit easier down there, but I want to be in Gauteng now. I want to be in this economic hub. I want to be in this place where people are obsessed with money. Okay, I don't know in which industries you are involved in, but people in this specific province are obsessed with it in, on average, in general. And you need to watch your heart. You need to watch what's happening in your head. You need to check who you talk with and be vigilant of your heart. Okay. Guys, if you have questions, we'll have a Q&A right at the end. Okay, sorry about that. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9. It's the first one. Second one is the desire to become rich. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10. I only noticed that now. That's all out of 1 Timothy 6. And then flee the temptation. 1 Timothy 6 verse 11. So 1 Timothy 6 is a good book to read. Okay, so just a little bit of practicalities. We talk about this in Bible school, the three E's of investment. Education, number one. Experience and excess cash. So let's start with excess cash. It's as easy as this. You cannot invest if you don't have money. Okay? You've all heard um, us men, we're very good with Rana Braifle's fear. We, we share the best investment advice. The best. And then I don't see any execution of that. 
Why? Because most of the people who talk so boastfully don't have cash to invest. So it's easy to talk, and we'll talk about talking in, the, in my second session. But you need excess cash, and that's 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10, which says, invest seed money and not bread money. Okay, so if you have cash, now you must discern what, what money should you just enjoy with your family, go away for the weekend, and what money you sh should you invest. Invest um, with a banker or a broker, invest in the kingdom. Those are all investments. Okay, so back to education, you need financial literacy. Um, so I said I don't have a degree, but I read up a lot. We need to equip ourselves technically. Okay, number two is experience, and then we need discernment and wisdom in the application of financial management. Now, I know a lot of CAs, um, you know, very qualified people that are on big financial issues. So your technical ability won't uh, protect you from making wrong decisions, and that's where you need wisdom, but you also need the education. You need to know technically where to put your money. And just the two tips. Start taking small risks. Okay? Good. Uh, prayed through risks. Let's get back to my first testimony. Listen to your wife. That's a tip, tip number one. If you're married, your wife will always be a barometer of, of your decisions. Um, I've heard lots of other men say that, that your wife, you, you'll do all this planning and sit, sit up at night and plan, and then your wife will just say, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> like, I've been studying up for months. How can you just say, I don't feel good about this? And then you need to listen to her. Okay. okay. And really, you can talk to any man here. Just listen to them. And they are a barometer of our hearts. Because they can see the bigger picture many times. And then investing is a team sport. In the Platteland, in the countryside, you get people using, for 30 years, using the same lawyer, same banker, same um, estate agent, and in the city people aren't used to doing it like that. They use different people all the time. But just start building a team. Start using the same lawyer for everything. Like I've been using one lawyer since I came to Pretoria. Then it's nice because like one evening my brother messed up and I could phone <laughs> and say, listen, Charlene, what do we do now? And um, she could give me free advice, legal advice. And I couldn't do that if I was using different lawyers all the time. So if you, if you use professional people, try building up a team, people you can trust. Okay, and then I want to end off with biblical guidance on investing. Now, just, now I just need to write down the scriptures. Five, five biblical tips or five biblical guidances. Number one, know where, where the Lord wants you to invest. Listen to this. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. So just ask him and see what happens. Talk to the Holy Spirit and he'll guide you. Okay? So before we go to number two, on this matter, um, recently I had an opportunity to fix my first property mistake just with the house we are living in now. I could ask God over a period of three days for technical advice. I just wake up in the morning. I say, God, what should I do? And he gave me deliberate things I should do. And at the end, God really blessed us just with the whole transaction. And afterwards, the estate agent of the developer came to me and she said, 
Listen, Michal, I don't know what happened here, but Dries will never do something like this again. I don't know what you did to him, but he'll never do this again. And I just smiled, and I knew that is God, because God just said, say this to him now, and I did it. Say this to him now, and that's what the scripture talks about. He will teach you in the way you should go. So sometimes and we feel we can't talk to God about you know, decisions, or we can't talk about God about a contract you need to sign. You can talk to him about all that stuff, and you'll be amazed the technical guidance and spiritual guidance he'll give you. Okay, so number two, diversify. You'll hear the, your broker or your financial planner say that, and the Bible said it first. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Number three, oh, sorry. So this slide, the next slide just talks about diversifying. That's where we can't give you advice from a pulpit because it depends where you are at. We can't say, put your money in high risk or medium risk or low risk. It depends where you are at. It depends what, is, what God is showing you where you should move towards. Maybe God wants you to resign your work and go to Africa for five years at the end of this year. So you must not put your money in, in um, low-risk, long-term investments because you're going to need to release that cash within a month or two. You never know. You need to listen to God. Number three, put your business or your vocation, in other words, your job, before acquiring a home. The word has very nice guidance. I, I was amazed to find this in Proverbs. Prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, then build your house. Now, I've heard it said previously that um, as young people, we shouldn't just go and buy houses, you know, because that's what South Africans do. Get married and then we immediately want to buy a house. And a financial planner will say, no, just hang on a bit, save, enjoy your, your young life, um, put it into higher risk, faster growing investments. And once again, the Bible said it first. First, focus on establishing your career. First, focus on establishing your business. And then go and make an investment. Okay, it's just something actually on the side. I enjoyed it. Number four, avoid risky investments. There is a grievous evil which I, Solomon, have seen. Riches were lost through a bad investment. Next one. There is another problem I have seen everywhere. Savings are put into risky investments that turn sour, and soon there is nothing left to pass on to one's son. The man who speculates is soon back to where he began worth nothing. This is, as I have said, a serious problem. For all his hard work has been for nothing. He has been working for the wind. It is all swept away. In the recession, I, we have a lot of uh, developers as clients at our company. And um, some of them were serious speculators. They were all middle-aged middle, middle -aged people, um, clever guys, but a bit arrogant, a bit greedy, lost everything. When you read the scripture, that's exactly what happened. They lost everything. They were speculating, not listening to the word. And the last one, be a steady plodder. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. Steady plodding brings prosperity. Everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. He who makes haste to be rich will not go unpunished. Okay, so 
when I hear the Bible saying steady plodding, just putting away your money, then I hear compound interest. Okay, have you heard about compounding? They call it the eighth, eighth wonder of the world. Okay, my one example is not here this morning, so I'm going to use Marku instead of Marne and Daniel. So if we have Marco at the back there, he puts away 200 rand a month between the age of 22 to 28. So just seven years. Okay? And Daniel over here comes and he puts away 28, uh, from the age of 28 to 65, he puts away the same amount. Would you believe me that there's only going to be a 127,000 rand difference after 65 years? Or at the end of 65 years. Do you believe that or not? Okay. And in whose favor do you think it would go? Daniel. Remember, Daniel put away 200 rand a month for 36 years. Okay. I, I, I used this example in Bible school. And the, the whole class <laughs> disagreed with me. And I had to go and do the calculation in Excel. Just click on that link. And um, the answer is that, no, just the link there. Do you see the link? Oh, it's not on that computer now. That is a problem. Sorry about that. I'll show it in the next session. The answer is that Marco will be the winner. So for just putting away a small amount for seven years and that compounding and stopping, he'll surpass Daniel's investment for 36 years. Now, the Bible talks about this. The Bible says, start early, steady plodding, steady plodding. Go and read Warren Buffett's book, and you'll see Warren Buffett is actually not such a genius. He just, he just invested continuously, and he's an old man, remember that. So he started when he was still at school, and he just continued making the right decisions. Probably, I don't know, if you look at his life, he must have read some of these scriptures along the way. Just steady plodding, steady plodding, and that's compounding. Okay, that last section there is the rule of 72, which says um, if you have an interest rate of 15%, so you take 72, you divide it by your interest rate, and you compound your money, so you give it to the bank, the bank gives you 10% interest rate. It will take 7.2 years to double your money. If the bank gives you 15% interest rate, it will take 4.8 years. It's just a, a nice thing to remember. So you can double your money actually quite easily. And once again, it's not for greed. Okay, it's to worship God. And we're gonna, I'm going to speak on glorifying God with our finances in the second session. Okay, I want to end off Luke 12, verse 42. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? So there's two consequences of being faithful and wise. It's being the master of the household and being provided a portion of food. Being wise and being faithful. Faithfulness comes with time and wisdom comes through the word of God. So this morning, you say, well, I'm expecting the second session, but I'm also expecting that we are imparting wisdom collectively. We're gaining wisdom and we're growing in faithfulness and God can make us the master over the ruler over the household, and he can give us our portion of food in due season. Amen. Thank you. Just um, before we break, there's a few resources. I, I like Crown Financial Ministries. So it's crown.org. 
Um, I just put up a few links to banking sites because all the banks have calculators. So if you want to work out how much a property is going to cost you or how much X is going to cost you, or what you can afford, they have nice easy calculators. Use them. It's there. It's for free. Take, go to your bank and look for those calculators and just a few books if you want to want to read up a bit. Amen. Thank you. We can break now and we'll be back, Philip, in 10 minutes. For listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that it was time well spent establishing God's kingdom and proclaiming His glory in your life. For more information, call us on 012-362-1363 or email us at pretoria at shofaronline.org. You may also wish to browse our website at www.shofaronline.org or find us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria. Oh, my God.